Welcome to the Easy Scaling Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Shonda King, and together we'll be exploring how successful entrepreneurs are actually scaling to six figures and beyond. My goal is to bring you conversations that are honest and transparent and to share the real, raw, nitty gritty details about what works and what doesn't. Hello, hello, and welcome. Today, I want to pull back the curtain a little bit on some things that I believe pretty deeply about entrepreneurship and what it's like to run a business and what it's like to scale. And I feel like I talk about most of these things pretty consistently on the podcast, on social media, in all the places, in conversation, but I've got a little list and I want to run through them all together to give you just a little snapshot of what I think and how I feel about some of these pretty big things. So let's dive in. The first one, and if you know me at all, you know I feel pretty strongly about this, and that is there is no one way to do anything. <laughs> My clients, I'm sure, get sick of me answering their questions with a an initial caveat of, well, it depends. <laughs> yeah, sure. Or <laughs> like, there are a million ways to do things. There is no right way to do it. And I, I'm... I'm actually glad that I'm seeing a lot more people talk about this in this space, in in the marketing world, in the online business world, on social media, because I feel like we fell into a little bit of a trap there for a few years even, where all of the messaging, everything that was coming at us from every direction was, this is the thing, this is the formula, this is the way to structure an offer. Like, I get it. I've even done that. I, I'm, I am guilty of it as well. And I'm glad that we've, we've, we've been coming around, I think, recently to all recognizing and all calling a collective bullshit on anyone saying that there is one way to do it, that there is one way to market, that there is one way to structure your offer, that there is one way to create your client experience or anything. There's no one way to do anything. And that's the beauty of being a business owner. So I guess I could have done a whole episode on this. I, I, I could keep going, but let's go to the next one. The second thing is that the only constant that you can count on in business is change. And we all know the cliche about like, you know, fail fast and like you got to pivot and like all of that. But I don't know if we are like really fully grasping and embracing that. And it can be very freeing because one thing that I see, I see it myself, I see it in my clients, I see it everywhere, is this like toxic perfectionism. And the best reframe, in my opinion, for combating perfectionism and perfectionism in particular that keeps you from actually doing things is understanding that you are going to change whatever it is that you do. Like there is not a single decision that you make. There is not a single offer. There is not a single process. There is not a single anything that is going to stay constant forever. It's just not, it's not going to happen. The world changes too much. We change too much. Our clients change too much. Everything changes too quickly and too often for us to think that we're not going to have to change in reaction to that. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that's something that we should embrace. And And this perfectly feeds into this third item that I feel maybe most strongly about, (laughs) more than any of the others. I don't know. 
I feel pretty strongly about all of them. This third thing is that scaling comes from messy action, from messy action and experimentation. There is no other way to get there. There is no perfect amount of planning, perfect amount of prep, perfect amount of anything that you're going to be able to do to roll something out in its final form. It's never going to happen. It may roll out and be a success, but it's still an experiment and it's either going to go great or it's not going to go great or it's going to fall somewhere in between. And again, that is okay. And once you know that, you can much more quickly take action. And this feeds right back into that toxic perfectionism, this imposter syndrome. I mean, all of these buzzwords, all of these issues that we know exist both externally and internally as female business owners. And again, the antidote is is looking at everything that you do in your business, every decision that you make as an experiment. It doesn't have to be built up into something so big that we feel like we absolutely have to get it right the first time. Like that's the thing that's going to keep us from taking action and then discovering if it was right or not, if it works or not. Like you just have to do it. You have to fail fast, as they say, to just roll with the cliche. All right. Fourth thing. Not everyone is making seven figures. Newsflash. That's not how it's that's not how it's happening. I'm not going to dive too deep into this whole money side of things. But what I want to say is that the standard that you should be holding yourself to is not what you see put out there in the marketing world, in the social media world. Like anything that's flashy, anything that's sexy, anything that's used as a marketing ploy or a marketing tactic around revenue or around growth or around any of that, that is not the standard. If you're using it to inspire you, if you're using it to stretch you, fan-freaking-tastic, do that. But what I am totally over is seeing people use those things in a way that makes everybody else feel like shit. <laughs> and I, I can say that because that is how I experience that type of, those types of claims, those types of like flashy claims that are on the internet. Does that mean that I like have beef with those people? No, absolutely not. Great, great. I'm so, so glad that you made seven figures quickly. I'm so glad that you did whatever it is that you did. Like we have scaled fairly fast, you know, multiple six figures in a year. We, in our first 15 months, like very first 15 months, we did 300K plus. Like those are pretty big numbers. But what I can tell you from my perspective is that I have had a hard time feeling good about those numbers. And the reason is because I was using the flashy sales language as my standard. So let's just all collectively say no thank you to using those as the standards and come up with something a little bit more realistic and also think about what are our actual goals and why are they our goals, right? And and how does our situation, our constraints, our resources, our unique challenges how does that map onto these other situations? Is it realistic for me to build a seven-figure business in, you know, six months while pregnant and with a one-year-old? I mean, I'm not saying that it can't be done, but that wasn't realistic for me. But it's, it's really difficult to get out of, to get those claims and those benchmarks out of your head. So feel pretty strongly about that, that we need to all collectively say, no, thank you. We're done. All right. Let's talk about the fifth one. This one 
I think is really important. And y'all know that I have some beef with anti-hustle culture, and this is why. Because I feel very strongly that success comes from hard work and luck. And usually it's, it's the combination of those two things. Some people have more luck. Some people work harder. <laughs> like, but there's some type of combination of hard work and luck that comes together to create success, whatever success looks like for you. And I am, you all know, probably, I am not woo-woo, but I love woo-woo things. And I have been actually described as the most woo, non-woo person that someone's ever come across because I really, I, I really struggle because I, I love the woo-woo. I love numerology. I love human design. I love talking about energy and alignment and like all of this stuff. But also, I know that it's not just that. It's not just that. I, I believe that pretty deeply that a big component of success comes from hard work. Now, does that need, mean that everyone needs to be like busting their ass and hustling? And, and if they aren't doing that, they're not going to be successful? No, of course not. But I'm over the message that it's the norm to reach your goals and be successful and build whatever business you want to build purely off of alignment or purely off of whatever it is and that you shouldn't hustle or that, you know, you should only work, you know, 10 hours a week or why are you owning a business? You might as well be in corporate. Like, no, I, I just, I, I disagree with that. I completely disagree with that. And I don't think that hard work is bad. And, and I'm, I'm just tired of people saying, well, I'm, they're not necessarily saying that hard work is bad, but what they are saying is that you have to do it one way in order to be successful. And, and for someone like me who does work hard, for someone like you who probably does work hard, it can kind of make you feel a little bit bad to, to think that, well, how come I'm having to work so hard? Or how come I'm, you know, I'm working 40 hours or I'm working, you know, 50 hours during this launch? Like, does that mean I'm not a success? Does that mean I'm doing it wrong? Do I need to feel bad about the amount of time that I'm working? Because since I'm working so hard, I could just have a regular job. Like, no, I'm calling bullshit on all of that. And I think you should too. Hard work and luck. It's a combination. It's balance. All right. The sixth one. You have to have support. You have to have support. And I, I mean that very broadly, but I also mean it very seriously. And I have, I have majorly put my money where my mouth is on this statement because, um, you know, I did a masterclass that talked through like full transparency behind the scenes of how, how we've built this business as quickly as we have all of the investments that we've made, all of the things that we've done, all the decisions. And I have spent, since I started this business, so in, in about 15 months, over $36,000 on support, coaching, and strategy for my business. That is like a massive investment. And I'm not saying that everyone needs to make that type of investment at the beginning or ever or whatever. Like it, it's, again, there's no right way to do it. And it, it, depends really heavily on what you're trying to build, how quickly you're trying to build it, what your resources are. So if you're trying to build a business that brings in six figures and you're willing to do that over two, three, four, five years, well, then you probably don't need to invest $36,000 in your first year in business. But I had a different growth plan, right? So it's just 
it's getting clear on what is the goal? What is the outcome? What is the time scale that you're working within? What are your resources? And, and is this the right time to invest in certain types of support? There's no right or wrong way to do it, but you have to have support. That is a non-negotiable. Every single successful entrepreneur, every single successful CEO, business owner, whatever, has support. Support of all kinds. Maybe a mentor, maybe a coach, maybe a strategist, maybe experts that they turn to, consultants, could be team, therapists, friends, peers. I mean, you name it. There's a million ways to get support, but you have to have support. And you usually have to have support in a couple of different buckets. So be sure that you're not neglecting that. What I see is people investing in things like education a little too heavily and customized support not heavily enough. I see that across the board. And it's usually because customized one-on-one or in-depth support is more expensive. It's more expensive and it's more expensive because it is high touch and it's deeper support. And it may sound easier to buy a course and DIY and all of that. And I'm not against that. I love learning. I think it's super important. But at some point, you're going to have to get customized support, su- support that is just deeper, support that is deeper. It's, it's very important. And that could be a group. It could be a mastermind. It could be, I mean, our membership is very high touch. So, you know, so I'll just slip that pitch in real quick. You just have to have it though. You, you have to talk to other people. You have to be in conversation. You have to deliberate. You have to brainstorm. You have to network. Those things are, are critical. They're critical for, for growing and scaling at any pace and at any level. So there you go. That's number six. Number seven. Number seven is pretty important. I don't think number seven is going to take me that long to explain. Number seven is I reserve the right to change my mind about any of this. <laughs> so this is something that I stole from my husband. This is a, a phrase that I heard him say forever ago, and it is strong opinions loosely held. It means that I feel really strongly about my opinions, but I'm willing to change my mind pretty much at any given time. If I have new data, if you know I have new experiences, anything happens, I not only reserve the right to change my mind, but I am open and encourage myself to change my mind if I need to. So strong opinions, loosely held. These are all of my strong opinions, but I could change my mind tomorrow because again, it's all an experiment. We are all doing the best we can with the information and the data and the experiences that we have right now in this moment. And everything else is a reaction. And that's okay. Okay, I'm going to add number eight. Reaction, reacting is not bad. Reacting is not bad. Reacting is, I think, a real superpower in a CEO, being able to quickly react. Not everything that is a good decision or not everything that moves the needle or gets us closer to our goals has to be done proactively. I think some of the most powerful things that we can do in our business can be a reaction, a reaction to data, a reaction to feedback, a reaction to an experience on our end or on somebody else's end. I think reaction is a real asset and and actually a real superpower of being a successful CEO because being a successful CEO is not for the faint of heart. It is not easy. You, your success and your ability 
to show up as a leader for your business, even if it's just your business of one, or if it's a business of, you know, we have over 20 plus people on our team, my ability to do that effectively and to really step into and own my CEO role is not going to be determined by the big milestones that I hit. It's not going to be determined by how great of a launch that we do or, you know, the the best team member or, you know, the talent acquisition or my knack for anything. Like that is not the thing that is going to determine if I am thriving as a CEO. It's going to be how I'm handling not hitting my milestones. It's going to be how I'm persevering through the bottoms, through the lows, through the unknowns, through the hard shit, like how I'm keeping it together, how you are keeping it together during the hard stuff. That's what it's about. And I honestly forgot where I was going with this, but I know that that was important. So apparently you needed to hear that. (laughs) I hope this was helpful. I hope that something stuck with you maybe shifted your perspective, maybe inspired you to take some messy action or experiment or get support. I hope something great came from this. I really hope you enjoyed this monologue. It's not a conversation. So I really hope you enjoyed this and I will be back soon. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Easy Scaling Podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, please subscribe and leave a five-star review. And if you send me a screenshot of that review, I will send you my 90-day planning formula. This is the same process that I use with all of my multiple six-figure clients to help them get organized, be more efficient, and scale faster. 